0: The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting toward us from the north. The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I'm about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me and burning incense to other gods and in worshiping what their hands have made. So get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Please be seated. So we're talking about spiritual gifts, and when I think about, when I think about the, the different ways that we are gifted, a friend of mine comes to mind. His name is Josh Layman. Many of you know him. In 2007, Josh, Josh was the associate pastor here, and I was an intern. Now, Josh and I had known each other from being roommates in college, and it was very apparent to me back then that Josh had a gift to to make things, to build things, to fix things if they were broken. He was a a person who was able to to see concretely what a thing needed in order to work well or to to be made. My strength was always different. I was always much better with books, right? And so Josh would help me a great deal, and I would help him as well, and we, we we kind of helped each other as roommates. Well, then fast forward to our time here. Josh also had this other power. I called it his superpower. He just knew when I need, really needed him to answer, when I needed rescued in one way or another, if I was locked out of my car at 1130 at night and needed someone to come because I'd foolishly locked my keys in my car again. Or any other, any other reason, he just knew. And so one day... Uh, I was living with Sonny Clark in the house right next to the church here, the White House, and our landlord had come in and had changed the doorknob in the bathroom downstairs. He'd assumed we didn't use that bathroom, and so he'd remove the doorknob and put it to repair a doorknob other, in another place in the house. And he told us that, and if you know me, you have no doubt that I promptly forgot. So... After Sonny left for an eight-hour work shift, I went downstairs to use the restroom. I closed the door behind me, and as soon as the door clicked, I knew. because our landlord had also said, if you accidentally shut yourself in there, you won't be able to get out. And after messing around with it for a little while, I realized he was right. I was stuck in a bathroom with no way to get out. And so I contemplated briefly kicking down the door, right? I was a, very recently a martial arts instructor at the time, and I thought, no, my landlord might not be the happiest if I break, break my way out of here. So with my phone, I called the man who would always answer and rescue. So I, I, I call Josh, he picks up, and I, I say, Josh, I, I need you to, to come get me out, I'm locked in a bathroom. And to his credit, he didn't say anything. Or so I thought. I thought he was being kind. Instead, he asked me that question again, but his voice was different. You know the way it changes when you're talking to someone and then all of a sudden you're on speakerphone? He said, I need you to say that again. Well, I knew I needed rescued, so I just had to do it. And so I said, I need you to come and save me. I'm locked in a bathroom, and I hear riotous laughter. I have no idea who he was with at that time. It was a lot of people, and they all got to hear that particular predicament. It might have been some of you here today. So Josh comes, and he, he comes, and he stands outside of the door, and he, said, and, and he just decides this is the time to ask me a lot of questions about how this could have possibly happened to me before taking that door apart So I could get out. We all have different gifts. I was very glad that day that Josh's gifts were in the helping kind. What I want to do is I want to talk about spiritual gifts today. I want to talk about your gifts. I want to talk about how you can know them, but then more importantly, what we are called to do with them. Now, last week, we talked about how a spiritual gift is an ability Or a talent that the Holy Spirit consistently uses through you to benefit the kingdom of God. That's the what question. What is a spiritual gift? It's this. An ability or a talent. Uh, There should be a slide for that actually. Yeah. That the Holy Spirit consistently uses through you to benefit the kingdom of God. But. What we're going to do today is talk specifically about how to know what ours are and how to use them. And so here's the single sentence sermon summary for this morning. God has gifted you as part of the process of transforming you into who he wants you to become. It's kind of wordy, so I'm going to say it again. If you're a note taker, this would be a good thing to write down. God has gifted you. As part of the process of transforming you into who he wants you to become. Now it's important that we set spiritual gifts into uh, perspective. We're talking today mostly about us as individuals. But there is another perspective that's important. Because God has also gifted Calvary in a unique way. Each church has Different gifts, and it's what sets them apart from one another. And those gifts are people. You are Calvary's spiritual gifts. The way that you are unique, the way that you are prepared and equipped to serve, the makeup of the body that is different than any other church in the world makes us unique. And each and every one of you are a spiritual gift the church and so it's if you have felt like you don't know how to help or you don't know if you have a purpose I want to encourage you that God does not make mistakes he has gifted and equipped and called you he's put you here for a reason you are one of Calvary's spiritual gifts now to look at talk about the individual side of this I want to look at Jeremiah chapter 1 I know it was a a little wordy. It's a wonderful story. Um, Jeremiah is the prophet that we get the most about his personality in the Old Testament. We don't come to know any of the other prophets as well as we know Jeremiah. In fact, if you really want to get a, a sense of what a prophet is and what it was like to be a prophet in the Old Testament, Jeremiah is a good one to go to and read. He's often called the weeping prophet because it was a painful calling. For him to engage in, he was a prophet in the sixth the and fifth centuries BC. He was under five different kings. He was a prophet under five different kings. He was called while a very young man and was a prophet until he was a very old man. The the way you can relate to him, I want to encourage you, if you've never read one of the prophets and you're not sure where to start, I, I want to encourage you to start there. Give him a read later today or tomorrow. You'll be amazed at the glimpse into his heart you can receive. But here at the beginning of the book, we get Jeremiah's call. And we get a sense about spiritual gifts from this. You see, for Jeremiah, his gifts are connected to his calling as prophet. They make sense in that context, in the context of his calling as prophet. And the same is true for you and for me. Our gifts are going to be connected to our callings. And I don't mean calling singular, we're all called to several different things, whether it's to be a parent, a husband, a wife, a friend what occupation or career we're called into, what way we're called to serve. God calls us in different ways. So our first step in learning our spiritual gifts is trying to discern God's call. And that's the first piece of this, to, to, to discern our spiritual gifts and to know how to use them. The first piece of this is to listen for God's call. Okay. Now, not every calling is alike. The Bible doesn't give us just one example, or one type of calling. Many of us have the, the same response, for example, that we see some of those spiritual heroes throughout scripture. You think of Jeremiah, he's reluctant, right? He's, 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 he's presenting objections. Moses comes to mind with that as well. We have two chapters in the book of Exodus where Moses, as an 80-year-old shepherd who's been called to essentially lead a revolution in the most powerful nation in the world, says, God, please, someone else. Sometimes we receive a calling we're not excited about or that we know is going to be hard. Maybe that's something you resonate with. Sometimes, though, we get a calling because there's this certainty, this knowledge, this, this sense deep down within us that God has called us to something. Other times we discover through those in our lives who are mature believers what God's callings for us are. That's how my calling to ministry happened for the first time. One of my mentors stopped me in the hallway and told me he'd been praying about what kind of pastor I was going to be. And I remember saying, I'm not going to be a pastor. That's that's not for me at all. Sometimes that's how God gets to us is through others in our lives that he speaks through. And so just because we, we receive this calling, we have a sense of calling from God, but there are difficulties, doesn't mean the calling isn't real. Just because something's going to be hard, or maybe we're too old, or maybe we're not equipped, or maybe we're too young, or maybe we don't know how, or maybe other people are better suited to it, none of those disqualify something as a call from God. Because it's, it's not you that matters in your calling, your willingness to serve, your willingness to follow. You matter that way, but it's by God's power that your calling is accomplished. You know, Jeremiah says, I'm too young, and God does not say to Jeremiah, no, you're not. You're not too young. He doesn't argue with Jeremiah. He doesn't correct him. Jeremiah says, I'm too young. And I imagine that God very easily could have said, yeah, you are too young. You're too young to do this. But that's okay because it's not about you. It's not by you. It's by me. He doesn't say you're not too young. He says, I'll be with you and I'll rescue you. This isn't about you. Jeremiah, it's about me. God says, I'm asking you to submit to me and let me work in and through you. So you need to listen for God's call. You need to look for it. You need to ask others to help you see it. If you're not sure, that's okay. Sometimes it's not clear. Moses didn't get the calling that would define his life until he was 80 years old. Sometimes we have to wait for it, but the call will always come. So the first step in discerning our gifts and putting them to use is to listen for God's call. And then we trust the Spirit's gifts. Verses 9 and 10 in Jeremiah 1 say this, Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. What strikes me about that verse is that there are six verbs in it. That might be an odd thing to, to notice, but if you're a person who underlines or circles in your Bible, I want to encourage you to circle those verbs in, chapter 10, or in verse 10 of chapter 1. To uproot and tear down, destroy, overthrow, build, and plant. Those are the things Jeremiah was going to do. Those are the things that God had equipped him to be able to do. In a way that was unique. That no one else had in the same way. It was attached to. To his calling, but those were the verbs God gave him gifts to accomplish. And so I think if you want to discover what your gifts are, you need to ask this question. What are your verbs? What are the things that you do and you do well? What are the things that you accomplish and the people around you notice and they comment on and they say or, or, or remark on how you seem to take naturally to them? What are the verbs that, that when you do them, you're filled up, you're encouraged? Maybe other people are worn out, but, but you're, you're energized by. And they can be simple things. They can be an enjoyment for being around people, right? It can be a, a, a joy for teaching. Some people are filled up by that. Some people are drained by it. What are your verbs? Now, for some of you, you're sitting here as I ask that question, and a list is coming to mind. You know yourself pretty well. You know what your verbs are. Some of you are sitting here and almost certainly thinking, I don't don't know. Do I have any verbs? The answer is yes. You might just need to ask someone to help you see them. In fact, that'd be a great topic for lunch today, to sit with whoever you're having lunch with and ask the question, help me. What are my verbs? What are the things that I'm good at? What are the things that you see in me? What are my verbs? And so that's present there with Jeremiah 6 in verse 10. The things that Jeremiah was wired to do. And the thing to remember is that God likes to work this way, right? We live in a world that is is tainted and infected with sin, that has fallen away. And God is on a rescue mission to to save each and every person in it. He desires that. He desires salvation for everyone. And his favorite way to work is through his people. It's through you. That's why he's given you the verbs he has. God wants to use them for kingdom work. So you need to look at yourself honestly. You need to ask other mature believers in your life, what are you gifted to do? Now, knowing your verbs isn't enough. Getting a sense of these gifts isn't enough. You have, to, you, have to, you have to know them and recognize them, but then you have to put them into context of why God has given them to you. It's not just to have them. He's given them to you for a purpose. And that leads us to the third point here. The third point is we need to look For God's vision. So we listen for his call. We trust his gifts. And then we look for his vision. For Jeremiah, this was very literal. He actually saw something. He sees an almond branch. In verse 11, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. It's kind of a weird sentence, right? Just kind of sitting there without explanation. But I think it means this. Jeremiah is shown a branch doing what it's supposed to do. It's bearing fruit. It's bearing fruit. And that's what Jeremiah is supposed to do. He's been given these gifts. He's got these verbs for a reason. And he's called to use them to bear fruit. And so God paints a picture of how Jeremiah is supposed to use them, how he's supposed to live them out, and what God's purpose for them is. What's God's vision for your life? What does he want from you? Where does he want you to go? Who does he want you to become? You need to pray and spend time and ask God that question, and maybe it won't be clear. Some parts of it will, certainly. But maybe you're you're a young person and you're thinking, I don't know what I want to do with my life. God's vision isn't clear yet. That's okay. You need to keep looking for it. Because it's going to provide you a way to understand how God wants you to use your gifts. We look for his purpose in the visions he shows us. And so then there's the fourth step. You allow God to transform you. I love these verses. Jeremiah 1, verses 17 to 19 say this. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Today I've made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand against the whole land. Against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They'll fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. In other words, he's saying, I know your faults. You, you that's here today, God knows your faults. He knows your flaws. He knows your inadequacies. But those things aren't the point. God wants to make you something. He wants to transform you into someone. That person that he wants you to become. By the power of his spirit changing you to be like him. God wants to transform you. And he does not promise that it will be easy. Jeremiah chapter 20 I want to read you a few verses from it. There's this this part of Jeremiah's ministry where, where he's very honest with God. And as you read his book, you're just struck by how difficult this calling was for him. And he says this to God in Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 through 10. You can follow along with me in your own Bible, or you can just listen. He says, you deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. In other words, to live out his call, Jeremiah went through hardship. Almost certainly you will too. That's how the beginning of the Christ life happens for many of us. We become a Christian, and sometimes there's this immediate stepping into testing or trial, or temptation. Sometimes it's difficult right away. And we've moved into this new life, and we go through these struggles, and there's a reason for that. God is transforming us, and he knows that what we need more than anything else is to learn how to rely on him and not on our own strength. Sometimes it's different. Sometimes we become Christians, and, and, and we don't see a real difference happening within us Or in the life around us. And in those moments what God is allowing us is to learn how to in the everyday reach out and remember him. To lean on and rely on him. Even when it seems like we don't need to. And we go through our Christian life and we have these times of struggle. We have these time, these mountaintop experiences and these valley experiences. And in the midst of all of it God is there. Hoping, encouraging, empowering, calling, and pulling us to remember him, to reach out to him, to call to him, to lean on him. And that process of transformation is happening throughout. And in the midst of it, we're called to be used. Just because we're going through a hard time does not mean that God does not want us to bless others. Just because we're struggling doesn't doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to be a blessing. And when we're going through the, the mountaintop experiences, that doesn't mean that God wants us to be unwise with our commitments or to give our time away when we shouldn't. We have to learn a wise balance and use our gifts where we're called and equipped to in the midst of this process of him changing us to be like him. And so the question here becomes, and I think it's the thing that all of this rests on, are you willing to let God shape you into who He wants you to be? Are you willing to surrender, like the song called us to? Are you willing to relent and let God win? Are you willing to follow wherever He calls? If you're Moses, 80 and a shepherd in the desert, are you willing to go if he calls you to Egypt? Are there things you wouldn't give up? Are there things you're holding back? I want to encourage you to spend some time, have an honest conversation with yourself, and be ready. Say to God, God, I'll follow wherever you call me. And what I think you'll find in the midst of that as an opportunity to use those gifts, to to have those verbs that characterize you play out in your life. And you'll see that in the midst of that, in the midst of using your gifts, this change will happen within you. And you'll become that person God has always desired you to be. Pray with me. Father God, we come before you thankful for blessings. We ask that you would help us to listen for your calling, to trust that you've gifted us, to look for the vision of who you want us to become and to allow your spirit to change us. We pray that you'd give us boldness when we need boldness. Discernment, wisdom, Lord. And a radical strength to be able to surrender over and over and over again. We pray these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.